What's up, guys? This is Marcus here with Burn the Heart Ministries. I wanted to jump on and do something a little bit special, a little bit different. Today in this video, I'm going to be sharing my testimony. I'm going to be sharing with you guys how I came to know the Lord Jesus, how I gave my life to him. A lot of people think that I grew up in church and I did not. I'm sorry to break your hearts. I'm sorry if that offends you, whatever. I did not grow up in church, but I do want to share this story. It is a beautiful story of the love and redemption of Christ Jesus, okay? So we're going to go through this story. We're going to go through my testimony. I'm going to share with you some of the pitfalls I had, some of the issues I had that kept me out of the way, uh, that kept me from pursuing God and receiving God. And I'm going to be going through some verses. There's a couple of verses that I'm going to reference in regards to my testimony that I believe will give you, like, shed some light on what that process looked like for me before and after getting saved so right going right into it guys again this is my testimony here so i pray that this blesses you whether you know the lord or not whether you serve him or not i believe that this will be a blessing for people so let me just start off by saying this again i did not grow up in church i grew up in philadelphia that's where i was born i didn't grow up there my whole life but that's where i was born i was born in philadelphia pennsylvania many of you know i live in florida now but i i was born in philly i went to church a little bit in philly but it was when i was young I didn't really do much there. As a matter of fact, um, I didn't really like it that much because I was young, I was skinny, I was scrawny. And once I hit about the age of eight, when I would visit Philly and go to church, because I was this nerdy looking kid, a lot of kids would try to fight me. A lot of kids would try to beat me up. So I hated going to church at that age because I just always ended up with problems. So I want to kind of start off though by by saying this that because i had like a very nerdy image as a kid i grew up being uh, pestered. I won't necessarily call it bullied a lot because I wouldn't let people just straight up pick on me, right? I grew up uh, with people trying to mess with me, trying to bully me, trying to embarrass me because I looked pretty nerdy up until about the middle of middle school, right? Up, right up until about seventh, sixth, seventh grade. I looked pretty nerdy, guys. I may even post a picture right here just so you can see how I looked. I did have the Steve Urkel look going on. I know a lot of you are saying, oh, that's so cute. It wasn't cute at the time. Come on, somebody. My mama loved me. Me, my grandmama loved me everybody else wanted to make fun of me but um so I grew up having to deal with this a lot I had a lot of self-image issues because I did not have the same clothes as the other kids I did not have the same shoes as the other kids I didn't look as cool as them I didn't have the nicest stuff so I had to literally in middle school guys I literally went from this kid that wasn't very cool and I would be picked on. People would try to make fun of me. They try to embarrass me and they would try to push me around. So in middle school, I would end up getting into fights with the cool kids because the cool kids thought it was funny to pick on me because I looked nerdy. So what would happen is they would pick on me. They try to start fights with me and I literally would just go through and I would fight all of them and I would beat all of them up. So at the <laughs> eventually, by the time I hit seventh grade, I was a part of the cool crowd, okay? But I was a part of the cool crowd and I didn't quite know what to do there because, again, I still didn't look the part. I didn't act the part. And I had a lot of self-image issues that dealt with that, that really messed with me later in life. And because of these self-image issues, I always believed in God, but I had problems with them. I want you guys to hear me clearly. At no point can I ever say that I was an atheist and did not believe that a God existed. I always believed there was a God. I always believed that there was somebody out there because life was too complex. That was my reasoning for believing in God. I believed that life was too complex to be an accident. I believed in intelligent design. I just didn't like him because of the issues that I had to face. So watch this. This is where I got a bad taste for church in my mouth. 
when I when I turned 15, I was living in Florida at the time, and I met my beautiful wife, Desiree. I should post a picture right here of her, my beautiful wife, Desiree. I met her at the age of 15 in high school. We started dating, and the rest is history. We've been together ever since, but this is what happened. When I met her, she used to go to church. So, of course, I'm 15. I'm young. I'm trying to bag me a shorty. So, I said, I'm going to go to church with her to get on her good side so she'll really like me. Doesn't even matter because she didn't even like being there herself. She was backslidden, but that's another story for another day. I'll let her share her own testimony. But listen, this is what happened, guys. Remember, I dealt with these issues. I dealt with people picking on me. I dealt with people trying to fight me because of the way that I looked for so long. I went to her church as a 15-year-old kid. It's in the, It's in Tampa. It's a small black church. And all the kids, all the dudes at the church, they hated me because they all wanted to be with my wife. They all wanted to be with Desiree. She had rejected all of them at some point during her life. And then she met me and she brought me. And again, I'm not the coolest looking kid. I don't look like a nerd anymore, but I don't look like the cool. Like they had the Nikes. They had the, the, the tall tees with the hats and the bandanas and all that stuff. And I didn't look like that. I didn't look very cool. So. It didn't even matter. They just saw that Desiree was with some dude that she was bringing to church. And because he was skinny, they wanted to fight him. It is what it is. We never ended up getting in a fight, but it was always threats. It was always people cornering me, always people messing with me. It put a bad taste in my mouth for church. I didn't want to go to church anymore. Eventually, we just stopped really going. Um, so in high school, guys, if you got, I'm going to give you guys a fun tip. A lot of you guys don't know this, but I used to rap. Yes, I used to rap. I used to be in a rap group. Um, we used to go and we used to be uh, doing concerts uh, down in our city. It's called Ebor City if you're here in Florida in the Tampa area. It's called Ebor City. It's like a small strip, really cool old town looking feel, but it had a lot of clubs. So we would perform. We'd be in Ebor. We'd be in different little bars and stuff. And even the day before, the weekend before my senior year started, me and my rap group, we went out to Houston, Texas, and we did a concert in Houston, Texas. It was absolutely nuts but there was a lot of craziness going on right so when I was in high school from uh about late sophomore year through my senior year I was in this rap group and I would be you know during the weeks I'm in I'm in uh class I'm at school I'm doing my thing and at nighttime I was literally in clubs and bars performing at 16 17 years old so you can only imagine the stupid stuff that I was doing while I was there not all the time but there would be some times where I'd get a little drink or smoke because hey other people are doing it they let me in the club might as well have some fun come on somebody so eventually I got to this place where I became cooler than school. I thought I knew everything. I thought I was that dude. And I started, the, the, the thoughts that I had about God started to turn a little bit more. I already didn't like him, but now I was masking my issues with the things that I did to make me feel better about myself. So at this point now, I got a job. I'm making some money. I got the clothes I want. I'm performing. My name's getting out there. And I thought I was doing something, y'all. And it, even, even in the moments where I was and actively trying to make God mad at me I was hoping he had a problem with me because I had a problem with him I want you guys to recognize and understand this this mentality stayed with me all the way until the moment I got saved that I wanted God to be mad at me because I was mad at him I was playing petty come on 
I was playing petty with the Lord. I was trying to make him mad. I was trying to get on his nerves. I was trying to tick him off because I was mad at him. And I want you to recognize that even if you don't think you're doing this, if you are not saved and you're watching this, even if you don't think that you are trying to anger the Lord, even if you don't think that you're trying to rebel against the Lord, there was a time where I knew God was real and I was intentionally rebelling against him. I was like, I think that this is wrong, so I'm going to do it. I think that the Lord, I think that God, whoever he is wouldn't like this so i'm going to do it why romans 8 7 guys it says this because the carnal mind is enmity against god for it is not subject to the law of god watch this nor can it be what does that verse say it's saying this that if you are in the carnal mind if you're not saved you're in enmity against god marcus what does enmity mean enmity literally means to be an active rebellion not passive rebellion and not accidental rebellion it means to be an active rebellion marcus how could i be an active rebellion if i don't know the lord romans chapter one says that life itself creation points to the fact that there is a god and nobody is without excuse but I didn't have a, again, I wasn't an atheist. I didn't have a, tr a trouble with knowing there was a God. I didn't like him and I wanted him to be mad at me. And I was in enmity against God. The older I got, the more arrogant and prideful and self-righteous that I got to mask my inner issues. And I started to rebel against God. Now, this is in high school all the way till I graduated. Fast forward to um, a couple years later. This is where I'm about to share a pretty cool story with you guys. Uh, so at the age of 19, me and my wife, we've graduated high school. I'm joining the Air Force and the military. We get married. So at the age of 19, a lot of you people, a lot of y'all want to know like how long I've been married. It's coming up on 12 years. Me and my wife were married August 21st of 2009. August 21st of 2009. And we were coming up on 12 years being married. We got married at the age of 19. I was in the Air Force. I joined the Air Force and I moved to North Dakota. My beautiful wife came with me. We drove up there using map quest oh i'm come on i'm sharing my age now with somebody we drove up do, uh, using map quest and we were young we were in love and we thought that's all you needed for a relationship i want to share something with you guys because even though i was actively rebelling against god in that age and in that stage my wife desiree she wanted to get back into church and i said baby do you boo boo i already got you i don't care if you go to church or not so i act this is what i did out of the liberty of my heart i found a church for her again it was a small church it was in north dakota but this church was a blessing to not only her it was a blessing to me. Now, I'm going to now talk about some of the signs of the Lord working in my life before I recognized it at this particular age. Now, at the age of 19, we became pregnant with who is now my first son, Marcus Windu Jr. We call him MJ. He's 10 years old. Um, we became pregnant with him at the age of 19, about six months after being uh, married. I believe in February or March, she conceived our child. However, this was a stressful time and a stressful situation due to the fact that she had had two or three miscarriages before we were married and before MJ was going to be born. I'm sorry, not before. Um, so we had one or two before we were married and we had one before MJ. So when she got pregnant with MJ, she was stressed out. She didn't know what to say. She didn't know what to do. And she's like, we need to pray that this baby will live. And I said, okay do you like what does that mean you know i'm like i hope my kid lives too um but whatever 
So she was going to this church that I introduced her to, and I wouldn't go that often. I'd go maybe once a month, sometimes because I was working, but other times because I just didn't feel like it. Let me. There was an embarrassing time where we were going to become members of the church, and I didn't feel like going, so I stayed home and I slept, and my wife went and became a member, and everybody was like, where's your husband? And she had to make something up because she was embarrassed. Anyway, we are... Have, you know, we're having a baby and she said, we need to pray. Now, again, guys, I've at this point, I haven't prayed much in my life, but I always had the mentality that God doesn't answer my prayers. So that's just another reason for me to not like him. OK, so I throughout my life. There were times where, again, not a lot, but there were times where I would pray. And I didn't know who I was praying to. I didn't know what to say, what to do. And I felt like God didn't hear me or he didn't want to. So it just gave me another reason to not like him. So I didn't really care to go and pray. So she said, we're going to go to church. We're going to tell the pastors and we're going to ask them to lay hands on us and pray. And I said, girl, if they lay hands on me, I'm going to lay hands back on them. And I didn't realize what she meant by that. Again, I wasn't saved. I didn't grow up in the church. She told me they're going to lay hands on us. I said, girl, I'm about that life. What's cracking? But she didn't mean it like that. She said, no, they're going to put their hands on us and they're going to pray for us. I said, okay, whatever. If that's what you like, I'll do that for you. I don't really care. I don't really believe. I'm not sure if that'll work, but I'll do it for you if that's what you want to do. So we watch this again. This is two to three miscarriages in. We go to the church and we pray. They pray and lay hands on us. And they, you know, they pray that that the baby will be born successfully. She had zero issues that pregnancy. And our first child was born 11-30-2010. So in November 30 of 2010, little MJ came into the world. And in that moment, when that happened, when I saw the lack of issues she had during the pregnancy, I mean, no issues at all after having several childs where she would miscarriage after a couple of months, it just made something in my heart stir. And I felt a gratefulness. Watch this. I felt a gratefulness to God, but I would not acknowledge it. So I would not acknowledge that I felt like this was the Lord's doing. This is God who just saved my child, but I would not acknowledge it. Not only would I would not acknowledge, I did not acknowledge it, but throughout the time that we were in the military in North Dakota, there were several times where God would be speaking to me and I will ignore it. There were several times I remember there was one service where everybody like, oh, let's do testimony time. If you're grateful for God, why don't you say something? This is shortly after MJ, my son, MJ is born. And I said, you know what? The least I can do is just thank God for my son. So I remember I said, OK, God, if you make that old lady in the back, get up and say something about you, then I'll get up and say something about you. Lo and behold, that woman in the back went and said something about God. And I said, Oh, no, nah, I was just playing. But if you make this person say something, I did this four, three or four times, y'all. And I remember the very last one. The last one was this little girl. She was maybe like 14 or 13 at the time. I said, Lord, if you, I said, God, God, if you make that little girl get up and say something, I'll get up and I'll thank you in front of everybody. The little girl, I kid you not immediately that little girl stood up and began to thank God and give him glory for something. I don't know what she was giving him glory for, but she was happy about it. She sat down and she, and they said, is there anybody else? And I just started sweating guys. I mean, instantly, not like a soft, quick sweat. I, and now I look back, I know it was the fear of the Lord over my life. 
the fear of the Lord was literally over my body and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there. I didn't say a word and they moved on. And I, that was just, that's just one example of times where I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, where the Lord was trying to do something in my life, but I rejected him. Why? The carnal mind is an enmity against God. I was in active rebellion. Even in that moment, I lied to the Lord. I said, if you do this, I'll thank you in front of everybody. And he did exactly what I asked when he didn't have to three or four times and I still said nah I'm good never mind haha just playing but I felt the fear of the Lord now that is that's some cool stories but I want to share this with you because before I got saved I had literal demonic experiences and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about those demonic experiences okay so at the age of 19 while my wife Desiree is pregnant we start having these weird things happening in our house. There were things that would be sitting on the counter and they would move. There were things like the TV would be off and it would be on. Little things like this that I didn't notice. I didn't really chalk it up to nothing. And then I would start feeling these things in my house. I couldn't explain it, but I would feel like when I went downstairs to get something, like at nighttime by myself, I felt like there was something in the room, but it didn't feel human. But I did not know what to do about it, so I just went about my business and watch this eventually I just started saying you know what we're in North Dakota maybe it's some Indian spirits and I literally listen I just I did this in my house this is why we need deliverance this is why we need to pray over our homes I remember telling myself and then eventually I said it out loud in my house I said spirits if you don't mess with me I don't care if you're here like if you're here, just don't mess with me and you're good. You can do whatever you want because I believe there was something going on spiritually, but I had no idea what it was, how to explain it or how to how to respond. So literally I could feel these spirits in my house and I didn't know what it was or what to do about it. There was a friend of mine who is now saved and serving the Lord, a close brother of mine. He would we we uh, we were in the military together. And this is what happened. One day he came over to our house. We had a party. Everybody left. He's the only one. He said he saw at the top of my stairs, he could see something that looked like a spirit. And I remember saying, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And literally I got mad at him for talking about the spirit. And I remember saying, if, the, if that thing is here, leave him alone. He ain't bothering you. If he ain't doing nothing, just leave him alone. Let him do his business. I was literally, guys, defending a demonic spirit in my house. Marcus, how do you know it's a demonic spirit? Well, number one, I know it wasn't an angel. It ain't bring no joy or peace. But number two, shortly after this happened, watch this. Shortly after this happened from May 2009 to august of 2009 i was under demonic trouble under demonic oppression and i could not sleep for three months i want you guys to hear me because i'm not over exaggerating i'm not talking about where you can't sleep at night and you have insomnia and you catch you some naps during the day i would lay down to take a nap i would lay down to sleep I would lay down nighttime or day and I could not literally sleep. Like I got super sick. I got super skinny. My body got super weak. I wasn't even allowed to legally do my job anymore because of the lack of sleep that I was getting. Now, I want you to understand this. This was not just a lack of sleep. Not only was I having a lack of sleep, I was seeing, this was the first time this actually happened to me, I started seeing demonic spirits in my house. I started seeing real spirits, 
I mean, they looked the way I could explain them. Like I saw different kinds. Some of them were small and they looked like they had these dark cloaks on them and they just looked evil. And some of them would look a little bit less t crazy, but they were always making fun of me. They were always laughing at me and they were always trying to intimidate me no matter where I went. I would see these spirits. If I went to work, not my real work, but some, some, janitor work they had me doing in the meantime i would see them in the hallways i would see them in my house i would see them when i tried to sleep at night one time i went downstairs it was in the middle of the day and there was this huge demon in the middle of my living room staring at me and smirking at me trying to intimidate me and guess what it worked i went back upstairs i didn't go back downstairs for several hours one time i was sleeping and I could feel it in the spirit. There were these demons. They were, I could feel it and I saw them. It's nighttime. I'm laying down. I'm sleeping with my wife. I see demons flying around the room and they're clawing at me. I don't feel them physically hurting me, but it's like in the spirit, I could feel them hurting me. So I grabbed my wife. I said, babe, help me. Demons are attacking me. You want to know what my holier than thou wife said? She wasn't holier than thou. I'm just playing. You want to know what my wife said? She said, well, just pray and turned around and went back to sleep you got to understand because at this time my wife started getting serious with the lord again there was a protection and a grace over her that there was not over me so she was sleeping soundly she was sleeping with no problem and i was seeing demons this went on for three months guys and i wanted i wanted to share this part with you because it was another time that i did not give glory to god after three months, I remember I'm laying down in the bed. These demons are messing with me again. I say, babe, help me again. She said, pray again. And she was sleeping. I was dealing with this for several hours. And eventually I just got tired of it. I said, you know what? Let's try it and just see what happens. And I began to call out. This is the first time in my life probably that I've seriously not Jesus, if you if you fix this, I'll get real with you. This is a time I was seriously calling out to Jesus and I was yelling out loud, Jesus, Jesus, help me, save me, help me, help me. Guys, after several minutes of saying that, my eyes are wide open. I'm seeing these demons flying around my room. Suddenly out of nowhere, a blinding light just blinds my eyes and I can't see anything anymore. Watch this. After the blinding light, the next thing I know, I open my eyes and it's the next day. Guys, in that moment, I know and I believe that the power and the glory of God shone a light that caused the darkness to flee, that caused the darkness to tremble and caused demons to scatter guys i was asleep for almost 20 hours i was asleep for about 20 hours i didn't wake up until about 6 p.m the next day now this is my favorite part of this story not only did the lord deliver me but i opened my eyes i woke up i opened my eyes and at the end of my bed there was an angel come on somebody you better get excited in here there was an angel sitting at the end of my bed and he was literally stooped over he was sitting like this just hanging out on the end of the bed and i'm like i woke up and i like jumped back because i'm scared 
And the angel turned around and he smiled at me and he got up and walked out of the room. And I didn't see any more demonic or angelic spirits again until I got saved. This was not just a Marcus, you weren't feeling well, you had a medical issue. This was demonic forces tormenting me for three months. And when I called out on Jesus, not when I took medicine, could I tried that, it didn't work. Not when I went to therapy, not because I tried that and it didn't work. When I called out on the name of Jesus, he delivered me he set me free and there was an angel guarding over me through the night and when I woke up the angel got up and walked out of the room and I never saw an angel or a demon again until I got saved now here's the bad part about this story and I'm gonna keep moving on this happened literally on my wife's birthday August 7th and she felt she was so upset I felt so bad now, here's the crazy part, guys. You heard the story. I was I was being tormented by these demons. I saw this angel. The Lord delivered me after I cried out to him. Guess what I did? I still didn't give him glory, and I still kept living the way I wanted to. I still was acting a fool. I still was being immature. I was still drinking and smoking and doing all sorts of crazy stuff throughout my entire time in the military. God God saved my son in the womb and I did not give him glory. God delivered me from demons and I still did not give him glory. Now we're going to jump ahead a little bit. So to make a long story short, as far as my military experience goes, I kept going to church. Watch this. I kept going to church. I did not receive the Lord. I did not get saved. However, the church in North Dakota softened my heart to receive the gospel at a greater measure later. They loved me. Their messages would speak to me. I would be tearing up all these great things in churches. And I would just hang out with them because they just loved me. They never told me you need to pray this prayer. They never told me you need to do this and do that and do all this crazy stuff. They just loved me where I was, even though I was acting a fool. So fast forward, we, we say goodbye, we move down to Florida. Me and my wife's relationship was extremely rocky at this point. No, neither of us was a super terrible person. We were just immature and my wife wanted to get serious with the Lord, okay? We were young, we were immature, we had terrible communication issues. We did not know how to have a proper conversation without arguing or without ignoring each other. So we had years of pent-up anger, aggression, hurt that we never addressed. And we thought it just wasn't going to work out. So listen to me clearly. In, I believe, April or May of 2013, after I get out the military, me and my wife, we take my son to a park and we sit there and we just have a blatant conversation like, hey, this isn't working. Up to this point, we were barely talking like our relationship just got really bad. We were barely talking anymore. And we basically just decided at that park at uh, April or May of 2013 that we were going to get a divorce. My wife was starting to get serious with the Lord again. We moved back. She found a church. She's starting to go every week. She's starting to get back on fire. She's starting to like really start to serve the Lord for real. And I'm still acting a fool. I'm still out here partying and drinking and smoking and doing my thing and being selfish and um, arrogant and prideful. 
I dealt with it again because I had a lot of inner issues that I was masking with all of these other different things, with my music, with my friendships and relationships, with my partying, with my drinking and smoking. A lot of things that I had pent up in me that I was hiding through these other things. And I did not know how to properly get healing. I did not know how to properly mature. So both of us were in a place where we were like, you know what? This just isn't working. And we decided we were going to get a divorce. We're 22 years old. We'd been married not even four years yet. Our son's about two and a half years old at this point. And we decide we are going to get a divorce. So at this point, guys. I had to think really long and really hard because for a few days I said, you know what, whatever, we can just get a divorce. I'm going to fight for custody. Um, you know, I got a job. She don't. So I'm going to try to use that against her. Like these were my actual thoughts. I'm not trying to play cute. My actual thoughts were, okay, I have work. She doesn't. I've been making money for years. She hasn't. I've got the, I've got a house, all these different things. I can use this against her in court because yeah, I'm, I mean, if the marriage goes, the marriage goes, but I still want to have my son. I'm going to try to take him. Those were my thoughts. Those are my strategies. So eventually I'm thinking legally how this is going to work out. I look up and I see that most of the times that the it doesn't matter what that like what the housing situation looks like or what the money situation looks like. Typically, all nine times out of 10 in Florida, the mom is going to get the kid. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to reconsider this because I don't want to lose my son. And then I thought about, I said, you know what? I know we got a lot of issues. I don't want to lose my wife. Like maybe we need to just grow up. Maybe I need to just grow up. So I thought that there's one thing I can do to at least keep her around for a little bit longer. We can think of something or I can think of something. My wife at this point, again, was going to church every week. She asked me to go to church every week, and I would say no. And sometimes I would even curse her out for asking me. I was angry. I had a hot temper. If she made a mistake, I would often just go off on her. Like, I just had a lot of inner issues I was dealing with and struggling with. So when she started asking me to go to church, I said no. She kept asking me. I would get mad. So she stopped asking me to go to church, guys. She said, I'm not asking him no more. I'm not asking her no more. I'm not asking him no more. So eventually she stopped asking. We stopped talking. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just go to church with her. So I remember vividly, guys, she would wake up, get MJ ready for church. I would get up and I would get ready too. And I would get in the car. She would not say a single word to me. She would just drive to church. We wouldn't talk. Now watch this. The first time that I, that I, that I made this decision, like I'm going to go to church. We're going to save our marriage was on Mother's Day, Mother's Day of 2013. And I hated it. The pastor was preaching the message. He was talking about, oh, our, you know, women are women of God. We need to treat them right. They're God's daughters, blah, blah, blah. Hated the message. I said, I'm not ever going again. That was whack. That was boo-boo. And I don't care about that. So I stopped going for like a month. Desiree finally talks to me. We're still barely talking. She looks at me. She said, hey, Father's Day, they're giving away a pair of Jordans for church. You should come to church. Trying to get me to go to again. Again, we barely talked for like that month. She tried to get me to go to church. And I said, I don't care about no effing Jordans. I didn't like on a serious tip. I don't like really. I don't really like Jordans that much. But I was just angry inside, guys. So I told her I don't care about no effing Jordans. And I just went off on how the church was stupid. She didn't respond. We just stopped talking again. Now, 
again, I felt bad, so I went to church with her. The message, again, I didn't like it. He was talking about Father's Day. We need to be men of God. We need to lead our families. We need to be reading the word with them. We need to be praying over our families and blah, blah, blah. I said, man, this is whack. I don't like this. I'm never coming again. So one week goes by after Father's Day. I don't go. But at this point, now this is where things start to shift. I want you to listen to me. At this point, there is something starting to happen in me. Because the week after Father's Day, I missed it. I didn't go. And I felt like I wanted to actually be there. And that never happened to me. So the week after, two weeks after Father's Day 2013, I go to church again. And I, she doesn't have to ask me nothing. And through the next couple of weeks, this is where the Lord started breaking my walls down. And I felt an innate desire to go to church on Sundays. I felt an innate desire to not force her to be late so we can miss the worship. That was always my game plan at church. Like, all right, if I'm going to go, we're going to miss the worship. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going and watching a whole bunch of people sing. But I would start going on time. I would make sure we were early. And God started breaking my walls down. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, uh, tw chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Watch this, guys. At this point, I am being drawn by the Holy Spirit and I didn't even recognize it. There was a longing in me to go to church and to hear the messages and even to hear the worship. And I didn't know what was going on. So over this time, I'm just starting to like find this longing desire. We're still not talking as a family. As a family, me and my wife are still barely talking. And after a few more weeks, okay, the Lord grabbed my heart for good. July 28th, 2013. I go to church with my wife. Uh, my wife's mom is there. My wife's cousin from Jersey is there because she had recently moved to Florida. And the Lord started speaking to me heavy. During the worship, I just felt just this, this peace over me. I felt like this power over me, and I didn't quite know how to respond to it. So I just stood there because typically I would go to church. I'm not lifting my hands. I'm not singing. My hands in my pockets, and I'm just standing there. But I just felt something different. And then the message was preached. The message was called crazy love. And the message was about how God's love for us is so crazy that he would go through the lengths of being crucified for us, taking on our sin so we can have a right relationship with a father who loves us. Guys, the Bible talks about some of them you show mercy on, some of them you bring them the fear of the Lord. I want you to understand it was the love and the mercy of God that drew me in for good that day. Jeremiah 31 3 says this, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The love of God drew me in that day in a powerful way. And I was shaking during the message. I was tearing up during the message. Now, I want you guys to catch this. This is where the story gets really cool. The, the message is done. They're having worship. They're singing. I stand up for the worship. I'm lifting my hands and I'm worshiping. And my wife, I, can, I see her out the corner of my eye. She's to my left and she's looking and she's like, what is he doing? But she wasn't saying anything to me. She's looking like, like she's looking at me out the corner of her eye, but she don't want to give me no attention. And if you ask her, she literally says she thought I was doing it to impress her. But listen, I was not, I was not doing it to impress her. I did it because I was impressed by the Holy Spirit to worship guys. So in that moment, 
There was no altar call going on. And as best as I can describe it, it was like the fiercest of tugs on the rope of my spirit to the altar. There's no altar call. They didn't say, come up if you want to receive the Lord, nothing. But I moved, well, not I moved. I moved, I pushed Desiree, not hard, but like I pushed past her. I just didn't even see anybody anymore. And I just went, I pushed past her and I went up to the altar. And guess what? Once the first pew, once I hit the first pew, I fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to share this with you. Now, I'm going to get back to this. A couple of weeks before that, Desiree went up to the altar. And because I did kind of want to impress her, I went up with her. Somebody asked if I wanted to get serious about God. I said, yeah. And then I just continued to do my thing. But this, when this happened, I walked up to the altar, July 28, 13. And when I hit the last section of pews before the altar space, I fell out under the power of God and I met Jesus face to face. I saw Jesus and I don't even remember what we talked about, but this was a supernatural. I was with Jesus experience, guys. I thought that it was just a few moments. And listen. I came back into my natural self. Again, I told you, I fell out on the floor under the power of God and I met Jesus. When I got up, when I came back into my natural being, I heard a bunch of yelling. Come on. I heard a bunch of yelling. And what happened is I turned up. I've got tears. I've got snot, everything. And I turned around and there's a bunch of men yelling over me and they've got their hands on me. Guys, I told you the previous stories, my head, I literally was saying, I got jumped. It finally happened. I got jumped. And then I realized they were praying for me. And I remembered the experience that I just had. Guys, I got up. They helped me up. Tears, snot, everything. I didn't pray a sinner's prayer. I didn't repeat after a pastor. I met Jesus and he gave me a new life. Second Corinthians 5 17 says this. Therefore, if Christ is, if anyone is in, in it, golly, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. All the old things have passed away. All things have become new. Guys, when I gave my life to the Lord that day, my wife didn't know what to say or do. They started another a pastor talked to me again and he said, are you are you ready to get serious this time? I said, yes. He brought some people over to me. He said, these people are going to be your mentors in the faith. They're going to disciple you. I said, let's get it. I was so excited. We got their numbers. We were going to plan dinner like we planned dinner and they have been uh, mentors in our life ever since. And this was almost eight years ago. Guys, when we left church that day, I could see my mother-in-law looking at me like, like she was just shocked. I could see my wife's cousin looking at me like she was just shocked. And I could see Desiree's look. She was trying to contain it, but she was completely shocked, guys. We left and got in the car. I'm driving a sheik will not say anything to me, but I can see her like staring at me out the corner of her eyes. Like what in the world just happened to you? Because she thought that I was lifting my hands to impress her that day. She thought that I went up to the altar to impress her until I fell under the power of God. And I don't even remember how we started talking again, but we started talking again. And I said, babe, I need a Bible. I need a Bible. Watch this guys. My wife said, I bought you a Bible. I said, when did you do that? She said, four years ago when we got married, I bought you a Bible and you laughed at it and threw it in a box. 
And I went over because we had just recently moved into where we were. And I pulled that Bible out, guys. And I literally started crying on the spot. Like this woman has been trying to get me to God for almost four, for four something years now. And I have been rebelling against the Lord. I pulled this Bible out. I still have it. It's on my bookshelf over there. And I just started crying guys. And over a few weeks, the Lord started ministering to my heart. But I want you to understand second Corinthians five seventeen. I became a new creation from that moment on. I have been on fire ever since. I told my wife, I said, we are going to church every Sunday. She said, we've been doing that. I said, listen, I didn't know church that well, guys. I said, babe, do you know they got service on Wednesdays? We can come to church on Wednesdays too. She was like, I've been coming here too. I said, what? I and, and the fact that me and my wife weren't talking, I didn't even realize that she was leaving every Wednesday night and she was going to church. I didn't even realize it. From that moment on, guys, I got radically saved. I was transformed. I was smoking and drinking. I instantly stopped. I had a hookah. If you guys, I'm sure you guys know what hookah is. I had this huge hookah in my house on my dining room. I had hundreds of dollars worth of tobacco. I had my hoses. I had a little table from, I had an MJ, my son MJ's toy story table. I would use it after he went to sleep every night to smoke. And one day, I got, I literally looked at it and God, I was so radically transformed that I look at it and I got confused. Like, why is that in here? I literally forgot that I used to smoke and I threw it away. And my wife came down. She said, babe, where's your hookah? I said, oh, I threw it away. And she, her jaw hit the floor, guys. She could not believe it. She said, you threw it away. And look, I was so transformed that I couldn't understand why she was surprised. I said, yeah. And I just kept going on about my day. This is the last thing that I want to share about my testimony. When I got saved, when I met the Lord Jesus and I got into the word, I could not, you couldn't keep me away from church. I joined the Bible study guys. And I was, the, the Lord gave me supernatural knowledge of the word. There were things that he put in my heart that I didn't even know. And the Lord would show me the scripture later. I went to his Bible study was shortly after I got saved and I started talking about stuff and I didn't know where it came from. I, I didn't know where it came from, but literally verses were coming out of my mouth that I never read before. And people were shocked at what I was saying. And they would come up to me and they would say, man, how long have you been a pastor? How long have you been preaching and teaching? I would say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, I just, I just got saved. And their jaws would hit the floor, guys. They would say, you just got saved? How long ago? How many years ago? And I would say about three weeks ago, about a month ago, about two weeks ago. And they would be bewildered and shocked. Why? Because not only did he give me a new life, but he put his Holy Spirit in me and out of me flew flowed rivers of living water through his scripture guys this is my testimony this is how i got saved and this is what i want to do as i'm going to uh, finish this message in this uh video right now i'm going to pray that whoever you know that needs to know jesus will hear this message i did not love myself i was prideful arrogant hurt inner issues self-esteem issues suicidal guys i was literally suicidal at many times in my life and god healed me and delivered me from every single one of these things so if you know somebody that needs to see this pray that they will be be, be saved by this video through with the lord 
through this video. If you're watching right now and you don't know Jesus, look at me very carefully. I don't care how much you hate him. I don't care how much you've been running from him. He loves you and he will not stop chasing after you. There is a new life in Christ Jesus that doesn't just give you eternity in heaven, which it does, but it gives you a new life now. Those issues you're dealing with, God can heal you from them right now. He can set you free right now. So I'm going to pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every lost soul. I pray for every person that does not know you watching this or that will come across the audio or something in the future. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, you will break down every wall, every barrier that they are experiencing and that you will flood their heart with the love of God, that they will bring be brought to a new life in Christ Jesus, that you will make them a new creation, that the old things will pass away and all things will become new. Save them, transform them by the power of of the good news of the gospel through the name of Jesus. Amen and A to the men. Guys, I love you so much. I pray that this blessed you. If so, go ahead and let me know in the comments or whatever. Shoot me a message. I pray that this bless you. This is my testimony. This is how I came to the Lord. So again, July 20th, 28th, 2013, I gave my life to the Lord. I have been saved on fire ever since then. I love you guys. I pray that this bless you and we'll see you in the next video.